electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one of my friends trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Even on good days like today, this market's treacherous. Opening week again, driving people out, then finishing strong. Dow only gaining 565 points, S&P rising 2.43%, and the Nasdaq jumping 3.13%. Oh, this one whipsaws you every day. And just when you think you got the new pattern figured out, well, it just smashes it to pieces. And you know what? On Fridays in bear markets, the shorts cover their positions in case something positive happens over the weekend. This is a pattern that almost all of the bear markets I have studied and traded through maintain. So get used to some very interesting positive Fridays. In this wild environment where everybody's laser focused on the Federal Reserve and not the fundamentals, you have to ask yourself, can the stocks of individual companies even matter? Sure, if they're good enough. Ah, the stock of Apple. Much surely buoyed the market with that incredible number last night, reminding us why we like to own stocks in the first place. You might have forgotten what it feels like to make money as we just completed an amazing period. Ten days where the losers outnumbered the winners every session. The longest period of disappointment in 20 years. At the same time yesterday, that S&P oscillator I talk about, the one that I follow since 1985, it hit minus 10, the most oversold reading since the uh, crash at the start of pandemic. It's almost always been a buy at down 10. Now, whenever we get that oversold, I remind you to hold your nose and buy, and that's what I've been saying to you. Sure enough, it triggered a nice rebound today. Remember, though, you need to use the strength that we're going to be getting to lighten up on the conceptual stocks. As the Fed turns, you need to stick with the stocks of tangible companies that make things and do stuff at a profit. And which ones might they be? Well, why don't we go to our game plan to figure things out? Now, next Monday morning, we get results from the classic kind of company that I'm talking about that makes things and do stuff called Otis Worldwide. That's the elevator company spin off of the old United Technologies. We have to hear whether there's finally a slowdown in China. Caterpillar hinted that there is. And we also want to know how the U.S. is holding up. CEO Judy Marks has this venerable machine humming. I think she's got a terrific pulse on large-scale construction worldwide. Her numbers are spectacular. 
After the close, Annex P semiconductor reports, and you probably never know these guys, but this is this is the most crucial choke point in the auto industry. Yeah, they make the chips for the autos. Can they meet demand in 2022? I sure hope so. NXP's also got uh, really excellent near-field communications technology. That's the technology that lets you use your cell phone as a credit card. If Apple's going to go up against Square in that field, then NXP might be a logical partner. Let's listen. Tuesday morning, we hear from Exxon. Now, now that new people are getting comfortable owning the oils, and you know I think you should, you need to know that oil and gas accounting can be notoriously difficult, something that misled the people who sold the stock of Chevron today on an alleged miss that was really much more of a depreciation issue. I hope you bought and didn't sell. I fear Exxon could face a similar affliction. It takes down the whole oil patch with the so-so number. Then that's your chance to buy the best of breed, which is, again, Chevron, as we regularly tell club members, including today in a regular morning meeting at 1020 a.m. After the close, we have a controversial set of quarters. First, Alphabet reports that this market can have such high standards. Sometimes even a terrific quarter generates no interest whatsoever. I wouldn't be surprised if Alphabet delivers just that. My suggestion, look, if it's really good, put it on your shopping list. Wait for the next market-wide swoon. It won't be long in coming. It's like a bus. Do you know that AMD, which also reports next Tuesday night, is down 27% since the year began? That's horrible. This despite the fact they just got permission to buy Xilinx positive. Owning AMD can be a tough chore at times. The stock's prone to cliff jumping, but that usually turns out to be a bungee jump, and you end up even higher than where you started. My take? Buy some. We own it for the Chapel Trust, as I said in morning meeting. I think the decline in AMD is wrong-headed. As I see it, AMD's gotten way too cheap on its 2022 numbers. There was a seller out there today who was such an idiot that he tested Jimmy Chill's patience. Then there's PayPal. Talking about testing my patience. A great company with a stock that's become a total house of pain, especially for me because we own it for the travel trust. They can't all be winners. Where it's a source of tremendous anguish for me. Uh, I don't even, I like call it pay friend at home. I don't want to call it PayPal. Some friend of mine. No buddy pal friend of mine. Anyway, PayPal's been cut in half. And I feel that. And it's still being punished. A sign that buyers have had it with growth and would rather own Bob, which I call, that's boring old bank. I came up with that today. Let's see if CEO Dan Schulman can say something that will get investors interested in remembering why it's okay to own growth again. Don't hold your breath, though, because new fintech is really hated as much as old fintech, look at Visa, is loved. Could this be the quarter when people realize how cheap the stock of General Motors has gotten? If the market has truly turned to value, I mean, geez, this should be GM's moment. It just ain't that bad. Still one more on the tough day, Starbucks. Will they address the unionizing effort, qualifying how it's really going? How about the impact of Omicron on store hours and shifts? Has the China lockdown pre-Olympics hurt them at all? These are some of the reasons why Starbucks stock is now down 17% for the year. Hopefully they can quantify the pain and limit the damage. Wednesday, we hear from Meta Platforms, the company formerly known as Facebook. The stock seems very cheap on 2022 earnings. This is a company that's been consistent for quite a stretch. And for once, it doesn't seem to be attracting much criticism for its business practices. I think some of that is because it's helping small businesses a lot be able to develop their own businesses on Instagram. I think Facebook is worth owning, uh, both for the digital advertising and for the metaverse. Abvi, company you don't think of, but it's a $250 billion, $240 billion drug stock reports. It's got a lot of new drugs. It yields 4.1%. I think it's run so much that you might as well wait before you buy any here. But I do expect Abvi to have a good year. And in another earnings period, I might tell you to be bold and buy it ahead of the quarter. But this has not been a great moment for boldness. Yes, the future does not belong to the Oh, well, you know, you get the picture. You know what? We're really at a full staff market here. Discretion, better part of valor. Now, on Thursday, we hear from a pair of stocks that I've been recommending to investing club members, Eli Lilly and Honeywell. 
That's because I expect both to lay out their plans for a pair of transformative years. Lilly's got huge drugs for Alzheimer's and diabetes in its pipeline. Honeywell's got an enormous aerospace business that I believe is turning. Meanwhile, the stock is a total dud. It hasn't stayed a dud for a very long time. Stay tuned. Darius at Damcheck will do something good for us. After the close, Ford reports him while Tesla claims to have millions of orders for its new pickup that doesn't yet exist. I think 2022 is Ford's year. It's building quite an electric vehicle following. They could tell us all about the battery-powered F-150 Lightning, arguably the most exciting new offering from Ford in decades. Then there's Amazon, a one-starling member of Fang that now seems to have completely lost its luster. People come on TV, they're like proudly sold. Oh, I, this, I got out of Amazon. Whoa. Anyway, Amazon's the poster child for the kind of stock, market, stock this market does hate, inconsistent high growth. I'm in a believer because I'm, I'm going to overlook this particular period. Why? Amazon retail, Amazon web services, Amazon advertising is why. And those are all terrific entries. They're great businesses. But again, I think you have to be patient. You have to take some hits. You have to be willing to get hit over the head. Wait until you see the quarter before you buy from do not buy the stock ahead of the quarter. I think you could be hurt. I just don't want you to get hurt. After all, Apple reported an incredible quarter last night. You, know, you still got a chance to buy it at 162, 163. It went out at 170. Finally, even as next week hasn't even started yet, Friday can't come fast enough. And I'm looking for Regeneron to tell a good story. It sells at 11 times earnings. That's a little nutty. And it's not because of COVID. It's for new drugs for asthma, among other afflictions. You know what? It's also time for Bristol Myers to stand up and be counted. They got to tell us something new about the drugs that it picked up when it bought Celgene. And then really, where's the 13 billion myocardium numbers? I think share Holders might like what they hear, but they got to hear it first. The bottom line, next week is the last truly hard week of earnings season, the last week where analysts have to jump from call to call just to stay on top of the companies they cover. I say each day will be controlled, not by earnings, but by the wild action in the S&P futures, which is, talking, which is all related to Jay Powell. So have your buyers ready for those hideous, nauseous moments, because i got to tell you something. I bet there will be plenty more ahead. Luca in Texas, Luca. The OG Jimmy Chill. Booyah. Booyah, my friend. Booyah. Best day of the year. We're happy. What's happening? Yeah, I appreciate you, everything you do for us. Um, this stock was as high as $1,700 back in November. Today, I lost almost 1,000 points. I'm sure the business model has cha- hasn't changed. My question is on Shopify. Okay. Uh, buy I- it. Yeah, I think I think well, Shopify. I think Shopify. There have been people who say that had a downtick. They had to uh, close some fulfillment centers. I think they should come on and just tell us if it's true. And if they didn't, then you buy. But until we hear, let's uh, powder dry. All right, next week is the last hard week of earnings season. I think each day will be controlled by swings in the S&P futures, which are controlled by people talking about how many interest rates they're going to have, not by earnings. Hike. Earning, hike, earnings. I'm going to do some stuff with the football next week. Remind me. So get your buys ready for these hideous moments. On Mad Money tonight, Wall Street trampled over Boot Barn today after earnings. But should investors think twice before giving it the boot? I'm digging into the Westernware retailer, and now I'm just calling it a regional national clothing company, CEO. Then, a volatile market like the one we've had this week, perfect reminder to have a defensive portfolio, not just a bunch of call options and Dogecoin. And that's why I'm playing in my diversified. You want supply chain management? How about Rockwell Automation? Stock fell today after reporting the top and bottom might be. Are investors getting a chance to buy here? You know what? Let's talk to the CEO in Stable Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call. 
at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Why can't the stock of Booth Barn catch a break? I mean, here's a retailer focused on Western and work-related footwear and apparel with a stock that's been an incredible long-term performer. But like so many other great growth stocks, it's been eviscerated over the last couple months, plunging from 135 in mid-November to 85 and change right now. What did it do wrong? Well, that also, by the way, includes a horrific 10% decline today in the wake of what I thought was a solid quarter, even though some computer-generated headlines mistakenly called it a miss. It wasn't a miss. Of course, these guys had already pre-announced excellent results earlier this month, but the stock's come down substantially since then, so you're getting these fantastic numbers for free. And make no mistake, they are awesome numbers. 54% same-store sales growth, nearly 61% revenue growth, rapidly rising margins, 127% earnings growth. These are insane. Insane numbers for retailer. Although Madden didn't give us much in the way of guidance, they did say that their sales were up more than 50% in the first four weeks of January. So what the heck is going on here? And is it just too exhausting for all of us? I think Boot Barn's been getting the boot simply because it's up too much. But this is not like the other high flyers. It's a profitable company, real business. And these levels, ridiculously cheap. 14 times earnings. Don't take it from me. Let's check it with Jim Conroy, the president and CEO of Boot Barn. Get a better read in the quarter and what's coming next. Mr. Conroy, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us on again. Okay, so Jim, I'm going to, before I get to the nitty gritty, I'll make a statement, see if you agree with this. There is a sense among institutions that, you know what, the great growth stocks, they're no longer where to be. We want to be in value. And they don't seem to care what you do, because those numbers that you did are the best of any retailer I follow. Well, thank you. Thanks for uh, acknowledging that. We're pretty pleased with the quarter for sure. 
perhaps a little perplexed by the stock reaction, but we're in this for the for the long haul and, and we're continuing to build a highly growing company, growth in top line and bottom line, and the valuation will take care of itself over time. All right, so let's play devil's advocate. I look at the map of where you were when I first started talking to you. You had very few stores. Now you seem to have stores everywhere. Room for more stores? Absolutely. We, we can at least double, if not triple, our store count. We're doing some work now to really build up on a market-by-market basis where we can put additional store count. But every indication is that brand new stores in brand new markets are exceeding our expectations. As we build new stores in existing markets, we're seeing less cannibalization than we had expected. New stores in markets that you wouldn't consider to be Western are doing extremely well. So when we lay out our guidance for next year, we'll update our addressable market, but it'll be north of of the 500 that's out there now, and it'll probably be more than double where we are today, approaching 300 stores. Okay. Uh, all right. That answers that question. Now, you talk about the idea of the country customer who could be bigger than the Western customer. Is that because the Western customer is tapped out? The Western customer is hardly tapped out. If you think about it, we were continuing the comp strongly positive prior to the pandemic and prior to our outreach to extend our customer uh, target market to include this just country customer. So we'll, and, and we're still seeing a fair amount of our comp from our legacy customer base. So when you, when you decompose our same store sales or our, our total sales growth, about uh, 80% of it is from transactions and about half of that is from new customers and half from existing customers. So the Western market is, is far from tapped out, but we've also now dipped our toe, if not, if not our foot, into a much bigger market that includes sort of a, a customer that's just adjacent to a core Western customer. At the same time, if you told me what they were wearing uh, in oil country, I would be tempted to buy that because then I'd say that's very realistic. You have a substantial oil country business, and it's got to be growing given the fact they're headed to 100 for oil. It is. Historically, uh, at least for the last couple of years, our oil markets and the product that sells specifically to that customer, candidly, has been declining, despite the fact that the price of a barrel of oil has appreciated and rig count is starting to slowly come back up until recently. And one of the things we announced yesterday is we're now starting to see growth in the quote unquote oil patch. We're seeing growth in work apparel that's flame resistant that they need to wear in the oil patch. So that business, which had been negative for probably two straight years, turned double digit positive in January. So we're excited about that. It seems to be a resurgence of that part of the business. Amazingly, despite the fact that it's up 20 percent, it's still a drag on our total growth, which is higher than that. But it's certainly signs of life there. All right, last devil's advocacy, because I'm dealing with some analysts who didn't think who was quoted being questioned, questioning your growth. You are less promotional, not more promotional, correct? That's correct. (laughs) We, We started with a model that was almost entirely full price, yet we continue to find places to eliminate promotions or shorten them or become, um, you know, less reliant on sales. And we have very little clearance product now. So that's helping our margin rate also. And, and by the way, I, I, I like that you're playing devil's advocate. I mean, I've been dealing with investors all day who are playing devil's advocate. 
And we're, we're kind of fighting that trend, it seems, uh, across the board. Well, I have a different view. The sellers are wrong and they're not that smart and they're scared. And they don't want to go for a long run, which is what you're supposed to do with a stock like Blue We learned that from the great Peter Lynch in the 70s. When you have something that works in one area and it's going national and it has a big footprint, you don't question it. And when it has dips like this, Jim, you just buy them because periodically it goes out of style. Jim, I can't honestly, I spent a day trying to find out what was wrong. And I concluded that the only thing that was wrong were the sellers. I think the concern, and you called it out, is there's a fear that the growth has been so outsized that we can't cycle it. One investor was so bold to say your stock would have done better had you only been up 25%. (laughs) So, yeah, I almost feel like I need to apologize for the outsized growth that we're putting up. But look, 12 months from now, 24 months from now, when the world has settled, hopefully, and normalized a bit, we'll continue to have a business that has you know, growing top line, growing bottom line. We've added a billion dollars in sales since we went public. And there's plenty of opportunities for us to continue to grow the business. Um, well, do you think, uh, just last thing, I mean, I, I, supply chain doesn't seem to be all that much for you, but maybe someone says it's lurking as a problem. What, what's the problem? Supply chain. Well, look, what we're facing into all the same challenges that everybody else is facing right. into. We're aggressively knocking them down. So our supply chain has been a challenge, but you know, we we just announced that our inventory is up 22 percent on a same store basis. Right. So somehow we figured out a way to get product on the shelf and be there for a customer when they're coming in looking for a pair of boots or a jacket or a cowboy hat. So, uh, you know, kudos to the team in the office uh, and to the field for for managing through the difficulties that everybody's facing with supply chain. All right. Well, I will say is now everybody knows everything there is to know right now about boot barn. All the tough questions were asked. If you still don't want it, then maybe you want to be CDs. Maybe you want to be in Dogecoin. I want to be in boot barn. I want to thank Jim Conroy, president and CEO of boot barn, for coming on and explaining the story to us as he always does. Thank you, Jim. Good to see you. Thank you. Likewise. Growth stock buyers, please stay growth stock buyers. It, it, it's a tough time. But, you know, if you give up on your own strategy, and you adopt someone else's strategy, I guarantee you, you'll lose money. That money's back in the break. Coming up, master the unknowns. Be ready for any market. Another edition of Am I Diversified is coming up next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX. Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, The ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.
The sweep on Wall Street can only be described as a roller coaster and a terrifying roller coaster at that. The whipsaw action is enough to make anybody's head spin. I want you to stay in the business, though, despite this. And I've got to tell you, it's not easy. And that's exactly why it's important to always keep a diversified portfolio. I'm going to talk later about how you can't have all options. You can't have all tech stocks. You can't have all health care. You need to be diversified so you don't get blown out. This is where you call me. You tell me your top five holdings. I'll tell you if your portfolio is diversified enough. Or maybe you need to mix it up a little. Why don't we start with a tweet from at Mr. Cunningham 32. This man did not attack me in his tweet, which is really rather extraordinary. It says, at Mad Money on CBC, at Jim Cramer, how about AMD, UPS, CVS, Coca-Cola, GE? Should I keep adding to these? All right, Coca-Cola, I love what they're doing, by the way, of course, with this new uh, Topo Chico hard seltzer. That's going to be the winner. But bigger than that, I think that James is doing a good job. James Quincy. GE, I thought those quarters were better than expected, except for, for, for what, what is basically involving a power business that I don't really like. But I, like, I trust Larry Kolb. UPS reports next week. I think Carol Tomatoes would deliver a good number. I do not think, by the way, that people trade this stock rationally, though. They, should, they need a big buyback and a bigger dividend. That will help them. CVS, geez, it's amazing. AMD, how many times? I checked me on Twitter six times. I said, buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it. Tech, drink, uh, beverage, uh, drugstore, transportation, and industrial. That is what I want. Okay, a little controversial, but I want it. And I say thank you also for not saying really horrible things about me, which I appreciate. Let's go to Ryan in Maryland. Ryan. Hey, Jim, it's Ryan from Baltimore. I've been in the stock market now for one year, and I'm holding Apple, Airbnb, Boeing. My favorite is Lucid, and my boomer boss is ASTR. What's your thoughts? Well, you know, it's, you know this is really interesting. This is a younger person, obviously, under armored dress because he is from Baltimore, and he's got some crazy stuff here, but it's only one because he wants a space services stock, and people like space. Hey, by the way, Morgan Brennan, I just think is fantastic, has got doing a lot of stuff in space that you ought to be watching. She really knows her beat. Okay, so this is the space stock. It's a total spec, but he identified as a spec. Boeing got a very big uh, guitar order tonight. No, not guitar like, you know, hero, but the actual gutter, you know, more valuable. Uh, Apple, own it, don't trade it. Airbnb is one of the few growth stocks that I've endorsed. I know it's getting crushed. I think it's here to stay. And then Lucid, we visited them. I mean, that's a speculative car company. So, you know, we got auto, uh, EV auto, of course. We've got uh, hospitality, let's call that. We've got space. Um, we've got aerospace. And we've got great tech. I like this for a young person. See, he's got his whole life if Astro goes to zero. It may, it may not. But maybe it doubles. Adam in New Jersey. Oh, my home state of New Jersey, Adam. Booyah! Hey, Jim, this is Adam from northern New Jersey. I'm 44, and these are my twins, Ariella and Mason. Jim, sorry the Eagles couldn't make it to the big game, but... Go Birds! So, Jim, I'm trying to build a strong dividend portfolio so I can retire early and spend more time with these two. Here's our top five stocks. KKR. FMC. BPG. RPRX Royalty Pharma. And one I'm in the house of pain on, HASI. So, Jim... Are, Are we, we diversified? diversified? Holy cow. I mean, this, this, this is a family that trades together, most certainly. Um, I have to tell you, before I get too, um, you know, uh, 
I want to make this point. I want to make this point again, just like that younger person. I want to see different kinds of portfolios depending upon the age. Now, you, now this Hannon Armstrong, that is a debt and equity finance. That's the HANI. That's not what I want. That is not a speculative situation. It's just not a great situation. It's an opaque situation. Royalty Farm is a company that's very good, but that's a it's slow growth company. FMC, Special Machinery, I think that's good. KKR, it's OK. And PPG. Now, Michael, whom I really like, has missed the quarter four or five times. I want to no, three three times. I'm sorry. I should have said that. Yes. But the pastiche is good in terms of diversification. What's not good is I don't see the great growth that I would want for these two young kids who are so terrific. Growth is what I want. Super growth for young people. Okay, that's how they make big money. Let's go to Ross in Virginia, please. Ross. Hi, Jim. This is Ross Weinstein from Norfolk, Virginia. It's an honor and privilege to finally be talking. Oh, to man, you. Thank, you. thank you. I want to thank you for the many years of guiding me through the wilderness. That is the stock market. My five stocks are Blackstone, Pfizer, Lowe's, Google and Vici Properties. Jim. Am I diversified? Wow. Wow. Vici Properties, you know, we had them on. Listen to me. Listen to me. We had them on when it was at 15, and I liked them. They were a real estate investment trust, basically for gaming, and it yielded five. The stock is now at 28, and they keep upping the dividend. I really like that stock, Vici. It was a Goldman deal. Very smart. Google reports next week. I think they're going to have a good quarter. Lowe's, interesting. Marvin, he just puts good numbers up after good numbers up after good numbers up. And all I hear is like, oh, he's not there yet. He's going to be there. When he gets there, stocks me appreciably higher. Ellison's fab. Pfizer, way too low, but it's now viewed as a post-COVID play, and people don't like it. That's a mistake. They have enough money to be able to get off their patent cliff. Blackstone, I don't know if you caught Jonathan Gray yesterday, but what an amazing quarter, okay? That's a private equity firm. So we've got private equity. We've got a premier technology company. We've got a real estate investment that is for underneath casinos. We got one of the premier retailers of all time and one of the greatest drug companies of all time. And by the way, Borla shows you, Dr. Borla shows you what happens. You take a sleepy drug company that's run by bureaucrats and you put a real scientist in there and you can just crush it. That's a memo to everybody who also who's in technology, who is run by lawyers and accountants, guys like me. Get scientists, get engineers to run these companies. Lisa Sue, great engineer, AMD. Dan in Pennsylvania, Dan. Hi, Jim. This is Dan from Downingtown, Pennsylvania. I wanted to first thank you. Uh, your knowledge and guidance has, I can't say I've made much money this year. I don't know if anybody really has, but it's kept me from losing a lot of money. Um, I want to know if I am diversified. My top five holdings are Apple, AMD, Bosch Healthcare, Starbucks, and Morgan Stanley. So am I diversified? Thanks. I do try. I mean, look, there's periods. It's like, you know, it's turn, turn, turn. It's like uh, the yard birds or the bird, whatever. You know what I mean? To everything. There's a season which is actually like a little more biblical than you realize. All right. Let's look at this. Now, Bausch, I told people today in my morning meeting, the 1020 meeting, go buy Bausch Health. OK, dropped to 22. We had Joe Pop on. The stock was at 25. They're breaking into three companies. I really like all three companies. Uh, people worry there'll be no IPO market for him to do it. Do not worry about Joe. Buy Bausch. That's what I said at 1020. I still agree. Morgan Stanley, obviously nothing's changed. Not only. Uh, Morgan Stanley. Morgan Stanley, I think James Gorman is differentiating. Now, he, too, like this gentleman from Downingtown, PA, is basically saying, listen, this may not be the most perfect period for us, but we're going to do better than everybody else. That is exactly what, J- what, J- what Morgan Stanley is doing versus J.P. Morgan. Starbucks reports next week, I am concerned about Omicron and Starbucks and staffing. I'm not nearly as concerned about the labor unions as I am about Omicron. 
Apple. We know what's going on there. AMD, I had to defend it vociferously today against some stupid sellers, and Jimmy Chill almost lost his temper. But here's the problem. AMD and Apple, we can no longer have that. We need, we need absolute diversification. You can no longer fool around. I'm going to suggest kind of wildly that Caterpillar is what should be placing because Caterpillar was actually good, or Chevron, because that was good too. But idiots did not bother to understand. They don't even know what to appreciate. Anyway, it's a good portfolio. Okay, tech. Too much tech. Otherwise, make this moves. Thank you for everybody who's trying to do. Uh, well, I know these are club members. A lot of these are club members. And I think that you'll be rewarded if you belong to the club. We're really, really working hard for you. Much more mad money ahead, including my sleep with Rockwell Automation. Stock's down very big. As the economy becomes increasingly automated, could Rockwell Automation benefit from the shift? I'm checking with the CEO. Then it's the tail of two quarters. There's the Apple quarter, which was bountiful, and the Robin quarter, which was really based on the quicksand of options. What could last night's reports teach you about participating in the market? One's long-term. One's got a fuse. I'll give you my take. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. You've seen him in the AM. And you've seen him in the PM. But Kramer's working hard to give you an edge on the market all day, every day. This is something that we batted around just this very morning when the Charitable Trust Research Director, Jeff Marks, on my new program, The Morning Meeting. Sign up for the CNBC Investing Club and don't miss an episode of the brand new Morning Meeting. We want you to be your own portfolio manager, and that's what the club is about. This earnings season has been surprisingly strong so far. No one else says that besides me, but I don't care. There's no denying that Wall Street developed a more skeptical attitude. Take Rockwell Automation, maker of equipment and software that helps other companies automate their manufacturing operations. Labor cost saving people. I think this is exactly the type of stock that's worth buying into weakness, especially because it helps businesses offset rising labor costs by replacing expensive workers with relatively cheaper machines. And by the way, don't, they don't break. They don't get drunk. They don't get sick. You know, I like all that stuff. But since the start of the new year, the stock's been pulled. Us. Rock Automation stocks down roughly 20% from its highs, not like, like a lot of other growth stocks. Wall Street's no longer giving them the benefit of the doubt. When Rockwell Automation reported yesterday morning, they turned in a terrific set of results. 22 cent earnings beat off a $1.92 basis. I thought this was shocking. 17% organic growth, and also looking for 13. However, as management left their full year forecast unchanged, we'll ask about that. The market figured that it meant the future would be weaker than expected, and the stock sold off hard. Personally, I think they're just being cautious. So they're just smart guys. That's what you do. And they may. They just want to keep it estimates low so that they don't miss them. Let's talk a closer look with Blake Moret, the chairman and CEO of Rockwell Automation. Learn more about the quarter and where his company's headed. Mr. Moret, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. All right, so, Blake, I just want to get one thing off the table before we get started. The idea that you did not raise your numbers, even if you had a great quarter, should not be interpreted as you saying that's the last good quarter. No, absolutely not. Uh, we've got a great year of growth uh, you know, in the quarter. We talked about $2.5 billion worth of orders. We're expecting now $9 billion of orders for, the first, for this year, which is you know, absolutely just a whole new level for us. We had some puts and takes in terms of the chips that we received to ship product between Q1 and what we're expecting in Q2. But our first half and our second half, are still in line with the guidance that we gave at the beginning of the year. All right, that's what I wanted. I'm taking that off the table. Now, we spent a considerable amount of time with Peter Rollins, who's a terrific guy, lucid. He, I mean, I have to admit, I, I like cars. I'm just my wife, but I like cars, and I like driving his. But you know what? I couldn't figure out how he's going to make them because like, he's not a big company. 
But then I read that he chose Rockwell Automation. It really is, in many ways, Rockwell Automation that's building the lucid cars, isn't it? it you know, it's it's the technology that uh, we're proud to be providing to Lucid and a lot of other people in the EV and the battery business. It's also the expertise. Uh, we've been providing automation in the automotive business, you know, for half a century or more. And uh, with the new portfolio, with uh, Plex software, with Fix, you know, those are already having an impact as well on the information side of uh, the plant floor. You, there were a series of strategists, top-down guys, who were talking about how the Fed needs to hike, you know, it needs to hike eight times, ten times, twelve times, all trying to over, outdo themselves. Don't we really, really need is just have the economy go along okay, and you guys get hired to figure out where there's a labor shortage and make it so that there's better productivity. Yeah, it's it's a huge opportunity, and across so many different verticals. The winning hand is the technology, but it's also a skilled workforce. And so being able to have employees who are comfortable interacting with the technology, adding the technology for the basic automation, and then gaining the insights from what's happening and plowing that back into a whole new level of throughput and quality, that's what's winning across automotive, across life sciences, e-commerce, semiconductor, name an industry. Okay, so let's let's name one that I thought was very interesting. You've got uh, places where we know it's harder to get uh, employees. I have to say, I bet you at a tire factory, they can't get all the workers they want. And then suddenly I read in your in your notes, tires, great business for you. Yeah, we have a wonderful uh, market share position around the world because it's such an autom- automation intensive industry. But it's also, you know, an opportunity to add new innovation. So they've long used the basic control, but now they're adding the software to be able to analyze what's actually happening on the plant floor, you know, from the tire prep to the tire building to the curing and to bring it all together to increase the throughput through the whole plant. Now, China needs it, too. I mean, I thought a lot of people in China, I mean, they wouldn't need so much automation. They seem to be more digitized in a lot of different industries than we are. They're um, they're trying to climb that productivity curve in a much faster time than we in America and other Western countries did. So they're they're proving very open to trying out the new technology at a faster clip. And so when you look at their EV industry and their battery industry, you know, we're seeing some great wins there as they're embracing very quickly um, the automation. And of course, you know, we're encouraging manufacturers in the U.S., you know, to move fast because that is the game to get the installed base and to be able to get to scale quicker than the others. One last area that I thought was really impressive. We all have problems. We know we don't have enough semiconductors. We just don't. We don't have enough semiconductor equipment. We don't have enough semiconductor factories. It does seem that you grew 25 percent, strong double-digit growth in all regions. Significant greenfield project activity is leading to strong growth. So it, there could be, at the end of the rainbow, there might be a pot of semiconductors at last, right? Well, it's interesting, you know, because we, uh, we use a lot of semiconductors from multiple suppliers in our intelligent devices and our controllers and so on. But we're also a critical supplier to you know, pretty much all of the semiconductor manufacturers. And so we're doing everything we can. And you're right, in some cases, we are on that critical path to increasing their capacity, which in turn will 
benefit us as well as other manufacturers. So it's an interesting circular kind of effect. Well, you're, you're kind of our hope. There was a tough call from Lamb Research. They were missing some parts to be able to make their quarter. Teradyne was criticized, but it was supply chain. We kind of need you. We can't because the semiconductor capital equipment guys need capital equipment to make semiconductor capital. People don't seem to realize that someone makes the stuff. You make that factory happen. And it isn't just people with wrenches. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's the technology so that as they do bring the new capacity online, it's going to be resilient and we're going to be able to meet the demand that, uh, you know, is present in so many industries. Uh, Everything from vaccine production to packaging food. These are all areas that you wouldn't initially think, you know, require semiconductors, but in our controllers and in other intelligent devices on their uh, production lines, it's absolutely essential to do these fundamental things. Right. And the last question, I mean, if you're Jay Powell and you keep hearing supply chains, the problem, well, maybe the answer is an outfit like Rockwell Automation. You guys are better at making a bad supply chain into a good one. We think we're in a great position to help the world recover and to get to a new level of productivity. And it's broad based. It's across so many industries. So I'm very happy with the hand that we have currently. Well, you should be. And it's what an acceleration even since I saw you last, which was also great then. Blake Barrett, chairman, CEO of Rockwell Automation. OK, an amazing company, American Crown Jewel. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Look, I, you know, the stock's down a lot, like a lot of the great growth stocks, but it's not because the company's not doing well. The company's doing fantastic. So you either believe, like I've said before, that in companies that make things, real stuff, sell them at a profit, and then give you some of the print money back, or you keep buying that stuff that's just all, I don't know, what do you call it, uh, chimerical? That money's back into the break. Coming up next. Let's make money together. What do we got? Kramer's bringing the thunder and answering your burning questions in today's edition of The Lightning Round. You don't need me to tell you how rough this market has gotten X today. But even after today's rebound, you may need me to tell you how to stay in this game. For example, when I look at these numbers from the millions of people who trade using Robinhood, and I, you know I salute you, I'm aghast even if the stock rebounded today. Oh, hey, what, what's a dollar boost from 11 bucks when it was down from 85 Well, they've got a very good app. Most people are using it not to invest in common stocks, but to trade options. Man, if you're buying call options in this difficult period, pieces of paper that allow you to turbocharge your returns by taking on a ton of extra risk without really an edge, well then, other than this afternoon rally, you're probably losing a tremendous amount of money, particularly over the last 10 days. Now, there's a real cosmic irony in the fact that Robinhood reported its miserable quarter right at the same time Apple reported a truly fantastic set of numbers. Apple's the ultimate own-it-don't-trade-it stock. Options are the ultimate short-term trading vehicles. So, short-term, they have expiration dates. For all the excitement of last year's meme stock lunacy with GameStop and AMC, lucrative lunacy if you got out early, Robinhood never really seemed to get past the app stage. The app does beat Candy Crush, but I don't know. If this Wordle ever comes out with an app of its own, I think that the Robinhood app could be surpassed. Rather than messing around with options on Robinhood, you should be sitting tight in a high-quality stock like Apple, maybe accumulating more when people give it up. Last night's quarter was magnificent. Almost every single line item was extraordinary, from Macs to iPhones, Apple Watches, fabulous services businesses that represent all that subscription razor blade business that goes with the razor that is the Marvel that is the iPhone. Apple now has an installed base of 1.8 billion devices, 785 million subscribers, up from 620 million a year ago. 
People buy the phone for its incredible quality, then stick with Apple for all the additional accoutrements. It's the best business model in the world. I wonder that stock jumped 7% today. Now, that's why I'm asking all these younger investors who keep toying with options to please listen up. I'm begging you, just own something. Own it for the long term. Buy two or three shares a month if that's all you can afford. That's how I started. Reinvest the dividends over time, and you'll have a real chance of making big money. This is something I talk about on our morning meetings that I want you to be involved in. That's that CNBC Investing Club I started. They're on at 10, 20 a.m. They're only for members. I mentioned my mantra for this Fed tightening moment. You have to buy the stocks of companies that make real things, provide real services, and generate real profits, some of which they can return to the shareholders. That is not Robinhood. That's Apple to a T. Apple makes the best products in the world. They set records with almost every business line, including gross margins for so many devices. Dominant seller in the U.S., Europe, and most importantly, China. Apple pays a nice dividend, but it's a voracious buyer of its own stock. No wonder this colossal $2.7 billion company saw its stock jump $11.11. I want you to contrast Apple common stock with what happens with a call option. Well, they're simply not long-term investments. They can be used in a diversified portfolio. I made a lot of money with call options. I made a huge bet on Merck. You can read it in Confessions of a Street Addict because Wall Street was sleeping on their new cholesterol drug, Mevacor. That bet paid off. The science was there, and Wall Street just doubted it, doubted it incorrectly. But I never put my whole por- uh, portfolio into options. That would be way too risky. If the stock you're betting on with your call fall below the stock price, strike price, you lose everything. And judging by the numbers I am now seeing out of Robinhood, that may be what's happening for far too many young people. You should not be comfortable taking that kind of risk with your entire portfolio unless you're perfectly willing to set all your money on fire. I think it's much better to chase slow and steady gains in quality common stocks like Apple that can pay off gradually over years and years and years. You can do options, but you must invest in common and much more common than calls. I promise you, you will not regret that. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 